I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. Then I got, I got to tell you a lot of stuff. Let me just start. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. Welcome to the 21st century. Uh, get on Twitter and follow Pastor Rusty on Twitter. Even if you don't tweet, even if you don't care, get on and follow me. There's amazing stuff on there. You'll be encouraged. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll throw down your phone and run around the room. Get on Twitter. And follow me on Twitter. Then Miss Vicky's on Facebook. Uh, so if you're not, on, if you're on Facebook, make, make sure you're following her. Uh, but there's, uh, man, I tweeted some amazing stuff on Twitter yesterday. And if you don't know what it is, get on there, amen. If you have a Samsung, burn it. Have a funeral. They're dead anyway, amen. They blow up in your pocket. So throw that darn thing away. Go get an Apple. You know, Jesus has an Apple phone, amen, and an iPad. So, uh, man. No, he does not. <laughs> My gosh. All right. Now, here's, here, here, so that's just, that's just the fun part. It's been stirring in me this week, and I want to encourage you. Throughout your day and throughout your week, use the name of Jesus. Say the name. All right? It can be as simple as that, just Jesus. You don't have to yell. Uh, you don't have to holler. If you want to yell, you can. It's okay. But it's not even something that you have to be emotional about. Just throughout your day, driving, whatever it is that you're doing, you can simply just say Jesus. There's power in that name. Then you can say, I mean, you can add Jesus, thank you for my day. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for my family. Uh, Jesus, thank you for healing me. Thank you for g giving me peace in my mind. But I just want to encourage you to begin to use the name of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. Darkness wants to worm its way into your life. Darkness wants to worm its way into your mind and into your emotions. And when you say the name of Jesus, it dispels darkness. It drives back discouragement. It drives back depression. It drives back oppression. And it drives back the darkness and drives back the enemy. And you may not feel it. You may not think, well, I don't know if I feel that or not. It doesn't matter if you feel it. It's absolutely working. And then here's what it does. It draws light, okay? When you use the name of Jesus, it draws the kingdom of God. It draws the love of God. It draws the angels of God. And so I just want to encourage you as a Christian. I want to encourage you in the body of Christ. All right, to begin to use the name of Jesus. You can just be driving down the road, and you can just simply say, Jesus, I love you. Now, I know you know this. You cultivate love. All right, in my marriage, I cultivate love. It's the same way with God. So when you say, Jesus, I love you, you're, you're speaking the name of Jesus into your life, but then you're also cultivating that love in your heart. And listen, the more you say you love Jesus, the more you will love Jesus. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. Next week, I'm starting a brand new series on heaven, and it's called Imagine Heaven. I just finished reading a book uh, called Imagine Heaven. I've just almost finished it for the second time. I have to put it in the top five, top five <clears throat> most powerful Christian books outside of the Bible, the most top five powerful Christian books I've ever read in my life. I've read hundreds of books. This book has ministered to me. It has strengthened me. It has encouraged me. It has stirred my faith. And we're going to have some at the Red Desk when I start the series. And uh, hopefully you'll have an opportunity to buy one. Uh, but if you've ever wondered about heaven, if you have a loved one, you have somebody who's died uh, and they're in heaven, I'm telling you, you're going to be ministered to. You want to bring your friends and family because it's going to be an amazing, amazing series. I'm going to start that coming up next week. And I don't know how long we're going to go. We're going to go until I'm finished. And so... 
there are so many things in it that I want you to see and I want you to know about. This morning, I'm going to finish our series on I Love My Church. And I want to tell you something. Probably all of you in this room, myself included, I was raised in church. I went to church as a kid. And probably you've had some experiences in church uh, maybe that weren't that great. Okay, And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on any denomination or any group of people at all. But probably at different times in your life, I know in my life, maybe you've had church experiences. I can talk to people all the time who've been hurt in church. But here's what I want you to know. Church can be done right. And it is being done right all over the country. And I believe one of the places it is being done right is right here at Tulia Christian Fellowship. Our heart, my heart, is that when you come to church, you have an encounter with God, and you're touched, and you're ministered to, and you're changed. I've said it, but I want to say it again. The hope of the world is the local New Testament church. The hope of our community, the hope of your family is the local New Testament church. The Lord Jesus Christ is what changed my life and in what changes your life. So, you know, I've had bad doctors, but there are good doctors, right? I've had bad teachers, but there are good teachers. I've had bad coaches, but there are good coaches. So don't think, well, church, I experienced something bad in church, and so I don't need church because there are great churches in America, and I believe we're one of them and that God's doing amazing things here. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Y'all can clap. Go ahead. Amen. I want to, let me just remind you of what we talked about. The first thing that happens at church is you have an opportunity to know God. Jesus told some people who weren't Christians in the New Testament, he told them, depart from me, I never knew you. So knowing God's important. The second thing we talked about is it gives you an opportunity to connect with other believers. Here's God's heart for you. God's heart for you is to have a fuller life with fewer regrets. One of the mistakes we make as Christians is we can have the attitude towards church of kind of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. But, hey, when it works for me to be at church, I'm going to be here. When it doesn't work, I'm not going to be here. But the truth of the matter is we need each other. Listen, I need you in my life. You're a strength to me. You're a source of encouragement to me. And we're supposed to be that to each other. God never intended for us to live alone as believers. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam, he said, uh, it's not good that you're alone. All right, so God wants us to be together. God knows that we need to be together. The next thing we talked about is you have an opportunity to grow spiritually. And I gave you this great quote. You learn about God through teaching, but you become like God in community. Now, if you leave that up for just a minute, I want to remind you of that. You learn about God through teaching. Listen, I have sat in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of preaching and teaching. And I've learned from every bit of it, and I've been ministered to, and I've been changed by it. But the next step in your Christian walk is to become like God in community. And we talked about that. Listen, we're supposed to be together, and we're supposed to rub shoulders with each other, and we're supposed to give, we have an opportunity to do what? To forgive, to love, to let go, to repent, to say I'm sorry. We have opportunities to reach out to people that are not like us. Uh, you know, maybe they don't vote like us. Maybe they don't think like us. Maybe they don't like the same things I do, but we get together. Now, I'm not talking about just in church. I'm talking about in life, Okay. See, you have two families. You have a physical family, and you have a spiritual family, and there's probably people in both of them you don't like. Isn't that true? Of course it's true, right? I've got relatives that I don't like. Now, they all love me, okay? <laughs> Who could not love Rusty? I mean, come on, right? Right, Rusty? I mean, come on, right? Everybody loves Rusty. I mean, it's just a fact, okay? 
But so the point is, is you have a chance to grow because you learn about God through teaching, but then you become like God through community. Then the next thing we talked about was you have an opportunity to discover your purpose. And I said, saved people serve people. Listen, if you don't know anything about me, here's what I want you to know. I was lost, but now I'm found. You see, I was fatherless. I was broke. I was uneducated, and I was sick. And I was going nowhere doing nothing. And I found Jesus Christ. My wife and I found Jesus Christ as a young married couple. Listen to me. If for whatever reason I had said no to Jesus, I'm not saying he would have been done with me by any means, but I know if I had said no and I had stuck to that answer, I would either be dead, I would be some type of addict, or I would be in prison. I'm, and I'm not joking, all right? I would not be married to the wife that I have today, and I would not have the children I have today because she wouldn't have been able to stay with me. And I'm not saying that to make fun of her. I'm not saying that as a joke. It's absolutely <clears throat> the truth. <clears throat> I was a mess. Jesus changed my life. And because he did, I want everybody else to know it. Saved people serve and reach out to other people. I know what my purpose is. I want you to know what your purpose is. And part of that purpose is that you let others know about Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to show you one more thing this morning, and it's this. I'm going to show you how God wants you to fulfill our mission. Listen, we have a mission at Tui Christian Fellowship. We're not just showing up here, hanging out, having donuts and coffee and going home. We have a mission. And if you've been here very long, you know what that mission is. Well, it's called Ground Zero. It's called Power Kids. It's men's ministry. It's women's ministry. It's reaching into this community as a family, as a body of believers, to change this community, change this county, change our families, and to change the world. It's a mission. I'm going to read to you out of John 17, 18. This is out of the message translation. Now, if you're looking this up, it's a real long verse. I pulled out part of it. Look at what it says. It says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in this world, this is Jesus talking, in the same way you gave me a mission in this world, I give them a mission in this world. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's one of the most misinterpreted, most misquoted verses in the Bible. Here's how most people say it. Jesus came to seek and to save who was lost. That's not what it says. That's not in my notes, and I'm not showing it to you on the screen, but it's important. I want you to understand it. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost when man rebelled against God? Everything was lost. Absolutely everything was lost. And when you come to church, when you turn your heart towards Jesus Christ, his mission is to restore back to you what's been lost and what's been stolen. Listen, whatever's broken in your life, whatever's been lost in your life, listen, Jesus wants to and will restore it. All you have to do is give him permission. That's his mission. Then he's given you and I a mission. Okay, listen, guys, and I know you know it. Life's not about me. Life's not about you. In other words, my life's just about me. 
No, I have a mission. You have a mission. Now, I want to show you something this morning called Maslow's Level of Needs. Now, this is a psychologist who lived back in the 40s, and he created this. And I want to show you something really interesting and amazing in this. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Now, that's a big fancy word, but all it means is, is we all have basic needs. And back in the 40s, this guy discovered this, and I want to show it to you. The very first one on the very bottom in the red is physiological, and all of this is physical. Okay, you know what your most basic physical needs are? Well, I need some food, I need some water, and I need some clothes, and I need some air. And if I don't have that, I'm in trouble. The most basic first needs you have in your life, I need something to drink, I need some britches, I need a biscuit, and uh, I need some air. And if I don't have those, things get bad pretty quick, right? Now, I know you've probably seen that show, Naked and Afraid. You notice in that show, it gets bad pretty quick, doesn't it, right? I mean, they get whelps, and they, they, those folks need some britches, Amen. So you got to have some pants, you got to have some food and some water, and then you, you know, you got to have some air. All right, the second thing you need is safety. The most second basic human need is safety. Kurt and I were at Ground Zero a couple of weeks ago, and he was coming home after dark, and here's what he said. He said, Dad, I think it's interesting that when I come home from Ground Zero, I'm not afraid in the dark. I'm not afraid of my safety. Kurt went on a mission trip a few years ago to El Salvador, and the church they went to do ministry in had a huge wall around their property, their compound, with barbed wire across the top of it. And he was inside this compound where their church is playing soccer with some little kids, and they accidentally kicked the soccer ball over the wall into the jungle. And Kurt said, hey, let's go, let's open the gate and let's go get the ball. And the guy said, no, you don't understand, it's not safe. He said, if an animal in the jungle doesn't get you, then one of the rebels will. It's not safe. And they literally left the ball over the wall, and they discontinued, I mean, that's, they discontinued the game. Instead of, hey, well, let's just let me run out there and get the ball. Now, listen, imagine this morning if we had a wall around our property, and it was bob-wired on top, and you had to pull your vehicle in, and then we closed the gates to have church because you can't leave your car outside because it's not safe. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I hope you've never experienced that before. Our second most basic human need is safety. That safety within your home from domestic violence, from sexual abuse, uh, from war, that you need safety. The third basic need you have is to know that you're loved and to belong. Listen, it's a powerful need. Listen, I have a family, and I'm so grateful that I do. And within that family, I'm loved, and I know that I belong. All right, I have a church that I know I belong to and that I know that I'm loved in. It's the third basic need. The next one is esteem. Now, when you think of that, you probably think self-esteem, and that's partly what it is, but it means value. It means you recognize I have value. I can tell you the place I found that and the place you can find it is in the Word of God. You won't find it at work. You won't find it in your bank account. But when you get in the Word of God and you begin to find out who God says you are, listen, it built my self-esteem. I had terrible self-esteem when I was growing up, terrible self-esteem. Then my dad is killed when I'm a teenager, and that didn't help. And, I mean, I was very insecure, felt very low of myself. And when, I, when Vicky and I first got married, she would always tell me, look at people when you talk to them. Look up, look at people. Well, that was a self-esteem issue. So when I got in the Word of God and I began to find out that God loved me and that I had a place and that I belonged, it changed it. Then the last one is self-actualization. And I know that's a big word, but all it means is that you reach your potential. Okay, In other words, you enjoy what you do. You found your place, if you will. 
I said last week that 85% of people that have jobs don't have a lot of happiness in their job. And, I, and if you're one of those, I'm sorry. Self-actualization is I like what I do, I enjoy my job, and I feel good about myself. All right, this went on for many, many years. Then several years later, even decades later, they added one more to the list. And here's what it is, and I want to read it to you. The last one they put on top was what changes your life the most is giving yourself to others. All right, now look at this. You've got food and water. You're safe. You're loved. Uh, you feel good about yourself. You like what you do for a living. But if you really want a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of fulfillment, you know what you do? You become involved serving other people. All right, now listen, that's the key. That's the key. You see, if you're looking for, you say, man, I need some more peace. I need something in my life. As you begin to use your time, your talent, and your treasure, and you begin to serve others, you know what happens? You find what you're looking for in your life. So that's the next thing I want you to see. I'm going to read to you out of Philippians 1:27, and I want to talk to you about giving yourself to serve others and how it's our mission. Listen to what this says. It says, only one thing concerns me. Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Now stop right there. Now don't miss this. I want you to see this. Can I just say something to you? It matters how you live. It matters how you live. What does that verse say? It says that you and I are supposed to be living our life in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Now, can I just push on you for a minute? Listen, I'm on a journey, and I blow it, and I make mistakes. I sin. Can I just go ahead and say it? I sin. And when I sin, I repent, and I want my heart right before God, and I'm on this journey. But do you know what I'm doing? And I've been doing it for 40 years. I'm walking out of darkness, away from darkness, and I'm walking toward the light. I don't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You see, I'm not dancing up to the edge and wanting to dangle my toes off and see how close I can get to the fire, how much sin I can get away with, how much darkness I can play with, oh, but then get back in the kingdom and be okay. Now, listen, I know I'm talking to some of you in here, and I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to not be double-minded and double-hearted. That's who I'm talking to. I want to encourage you to go ahead and make the decision to step completely out of darkness, to change the lifestyle you've been living, and begin the journey with Jesus Christ toward the light. It may take some time, but you know as well as I do, those things you've been hanging on to, those things you won't let go of, you need to let go. You need to surrender them to Christ, and you need to begin that journey anew and afresh in the light and not continue to flirt with sin, not continue to hang on to those things. Are you with me? All right, now listen to what it says. It says that you and I are supposed to live in a way that honors God, honors the good news of Christ. Not perfect. No, no, not, not making mistakes, but that we're on that journey toward the light. Look at the next thing it says. Then, whether I come and visit you or I'm away from you, I will hear that you're standing strong with one purpose. That's what we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing, Pastor? Standing strong with one purpose. At Tui Christian Fellowship, you know what we're doing? We're standing strong and we have one purpose. Look at the last sentence. That your work together as one for the faith of the good news. We're standing strong with one purpose. Listen, when you build others up, you build yourself up. When you tear others down, you, build, you tear yourself down. Look at it. Look what it says. When you build others up, you build yourself up. When you tear others down, you tear yourself down. 
which one of those categories do you fit into? When you think about your family, which one of those categories do you fit into? When you think about your work and your job, which one of those categories do you, feel, do you fit into? Are you a builder or are you a terror? Which one are you? What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be fulfilling our mission. Now, here's how it works. Our mission, number one, is shared. Listen, we're a team. Can I just go ahead and say it? We're a team. Okay, we're a team. What did I say last week? Y'all are the players and I'm the coach and there are no fans. There's nobody in the stands, right? There's nobody cheering. Listen, <clears throat> I watched some amazing college football yesterday. Absolutely life-altering college football yesterday. I laughed. I cried. I had goosebumps. I, no, I'm serious. I ran through the house. I had the most amazing time. But you know, when I did all of that, you know what? I was just a fan. I'm not a player, right? Now, I'm not a coach, right? You know how when we talk about the Cowboys, we're playing Green Bay today, right? We're playing Green Bay today. I'm not playing nothing, am I? I'm getting the chips, the salsa, and the tea and in my chair, and then we're playing Green Bay today, right? We, we, we do that. We take ownership of it. All right, now listen to me. Don't miss this. You build others up. You fulfill your mission. You do what God's called you to do. Our mission is shared. It's shared. It's not just me, but it's all of us. The next thing is we share by serving. I want to read to you Matthew 5, 16. We share by serving. Look what it says. Let your light so shine before men. Now stop right there. That reminds me of Sunday school. I don't know what it does for you, but it makes me think of when I was a child. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what the scripture says. You let your light shine before men. Okay, here's the question. How do I do that? It tells you that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me read you a statement. You help others with no strings attached. You help others with no strings attached. I went to the grocery store this morning to buy juice for our men's group across the street. We have food, and I'm responsible to get the juice, and I get some Sunny Delight, and they drink it, so we need some more. I'm going before the early service. And when I go in there, a man comes up to me, and he says, Hey, Rusty, could you give me a ride? You know what I thought? No. I don't have time to give you a ride. It's Sunday morning. I'm busy. I'm on a mission. I don't have time to give you a ride. I don't want to give you a ride. Why don't you take them two little happy feet of yours and walk wherever you need to go? Now, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say, y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, get saved, right? I didn't say, I thought it, okay? I didn't say it. But here's what I know. What came out of my mouth was God. And it said, yes, I'll give you a ride. And he wanted to go all the way to El Burrito. I mean, that's about a block, right? right? That's about a block, right? That's pretty bad, isn't it? I gave him a ride. He said, thank you. Now, I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it. I'm not saying that. So I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to see the bad side of me, not the good side, okay? Okay, I'm not making a big deal out of giving him a ride. The big deal I want to make is, is I didn't want to, and I felt like I had every right not to. Listen to it. You help others with no strings attached. What does it say? That they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. That's how you let your light shine. Here's the last thing I want you to see this morning is we share this mission by speaking. Now, this can be hard for some of you, and I want you to understand my heart. When I get up here and say, you need to be talking to people about Jesus, you know what the first thing you think is sometimes? I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. I don't know how to do that. Pastor, I'm not like you, right? 
you know, you can talk to people everywhere. You are always talking to people, and you have that gift, I guess, and I don't feel like I do, and I don't want to talk to people. Listen, I want to show you something very simple that will help you. I'm not asking you to preach everywhere you go. All I'm asking you to do is this. Open your mouth. Give God an opportunity to speak through you and just simply tell people His grace has changed me. Now listen, it's not about knowing Bible verses. It's not about having the Bible memorized. It's not about arguing doctrine. It's not about are you post-trib or pre-trib. It's not about, right? It's not about that dumb stuff that we get tangled up in. You know, do you believe in this or do you not? It's not about that. Here's all it's about. I was lost and now I'm found. I was a mess and I'm better than I was. And Jesus has changed my life. Listen to it. I don't want you to miss it. His grace has changed my life. Now, listen, not to condemn. Listen, I'm not asking you to judge anybody else. I'm not asking you to call out anybody's sin. I think that's not our job. Okay? I'm not asking you to look at somebody and say, you need to straighten up. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't be afraid to open your mouth. Then don't be afraid to say, God, I need your help. And then don't be afraid to say, hey, Jesus changed me. He's changed our family. We were a mess, and we're a lot better than we used to be. doesn't mean you're still not a mess. doesn't mean he isn't working on you. But Jesus changed me, and I want to encourage you. Many of you do it all the time. Many of you have never done it. And I want to talk to those of you that have never done it, or it's been a long time since you've done it. All you have to do is say, hey, man, Jesus really has done something in me. Do you have a minute? And you just talk about it. Listen, I can tell you about my own. The Bible says in Revelation, we overcome darkness. How? By the word of our testimony and by the blood of Jesus. See, nobody can take your testimony away from you. Nobody can argue doctrine with your testimony. So that's why I'm not asking you to get into that. I'm just asking you to tell somebody, hey, man, Jesus changed me. Then here's the second thing I want you to do, and it's just simple. Listen, invite people to a place to experience the same grace. Invite people to this place to experience the same grace. You know what we tell the kids in Ground Zero? Bring your friends to church. We'll introduce them to Jesus. A few weeks ago, we went to men's retreat, and we took 40 men. When we go to men's retreat, I'm always nervous. When we get there, I'm nervous. And the reason I'm nervous is because I want those men to experience God, and I'm nervous And here's what God told me a long time ago. And I do this every time I go. I do it when we go to youth camp. I do it when we go to men's retreat. I get in that service the first night. Quietly under my breath, I pray this prayer. And I say this, Father, we've collected the money. We got them in the cars. We got them signed up. We got them here. Now, God, they're yours. God, they're yours. And God never fails to show up and minister to them. Listen, here's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to open your mouth and speak up and say, hey, Jesus changed me, and I would like to invite you to come to my church, and you can experience the grace of God for yourself. You can experience the love of God for yourself. Now, listen, when you get them here, you don't have to make anything happen. We won't embarrass them. We won't hurt them. We won't do anything to them except introduce them to Jesus Christ. You give them over to God when you walk in the door. You say, God, I did it. Here they are. And I guarantee you, you won't be sorry with the results. Let me just remind you, 
Share the grace of God in your own life and invite people to a place to experience God's grace. Now, you can do it as a, as a young kid in junior high, and you can do it as an adult. Hey, Jesus did something in me. He can do the same for you. I've got one last quote I want you to see. <clears throat> Have confidence that God is doing in you. Excuse me. Have confidence that what God is doing in you, he wants to do in others. Look at it. Have confidence. Listen, God changed me, and if he changed me, I've watched him change Bob sitting right back there. And Bob could attest to you after the service. You could grab him, couldn't they? they could, you could grab Bob from Ohio and say, uh, Bob, Ohio almost lost the game yesterday. You must have really prayed. <laughs> but if you don't think that, you can say, hey, did Jesus change your life? And I know he would say that he has. Have confidence that what God is doing in you, he will and he wants to do in others. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let's pray.